and welcome to On Focus, brought to you by the Focal Therapy Clinic, where we connect you with issues facing men diagnosed with prostate cancer that are little known, less understood, often avoided, or even ignored. Prostate cancer is the most commonly diagnosed cancer amongst men in the UK, and with this somber fact comes a multitude of challenges and opportunities. I'm Claire Delmar. Joining me today is Raj Negam, consultant urologist at the Royal Surrey NHS Foundation Trust and the Focal Therapy Clinic. Rajan is an andrologist with a special interest in the impact of prostate cancer treatment on sexual and mental health. And we've spoken several times before about age-related implications of prostate cancer treatment. He's here today to discuss how advances in aging research could potentially aid in the recovery from prostate cancer and its treatment. Raj, thank you so much for coming um, and joining me today. Welcome once again. Thank you, Claire. So you're sort of my go-to person to talk both about different types of treatments and how it impacts the sort of wider health elements for, for men um, and also how age factors into that. So I'm really excited that you, you're interested in, in talking about, you know, where this might be leading us. And I think before we start, it would just be good to sort of set the base case for what recovery means and how different treatments lead to different recovery outcomes. So maybe you could just describe for our listeners how recovery does differ according to the type of treatment, whether it's invasive treatment, non-invasive treatment, what do you think and, and how would you describe recovery? Essentially, it's important to be aware that the treatment options in prostate cancer are very varied. There is a spectrum of uh, treatments ranging from uh, surveillance alone, uh, what's known as active surveillance or previously known as watchful waiting, ranging right through to the most radical surgery, uh, what's called a radical prostatectomy. And therefore, recovery is very much dependent upon the treatment that you choose. And under treatment, I, I do include active surveillance because yeah. although there is no intervention as such, it's important to be aware that the decision uh, to go down the active surveillance route is not without its implications, both mental and physical, mm -hmm. um, and not just for the patient, but also the patient's partner or carers uh, and so on. It can have an impact upon them as well. But obviously, where you have done a major intervention, which may or may not have led to significant life-changing complications in some cases, that will, of course, hamper one's recovery. And although we're talking about age uh, as, as a factor in these recovery processes, we do know that age is, is a fluctuating spectrum now. Um, mm -hmm. We used mm -hmm. to think of, uh, you know, old uh, as a certain number. Uh, we no longer think that because there's a clear distinction between uh, chronological age and biological age. Mm -hmm. And this is a fascinating area of research that we're looking into, not just in terms of prostate cancer, but in terms of aging in general. Mm -hmm. um, we know that there's a massive amount of research going on in aging in the brain and development of dementia and so on, and how people can reverse that. But also we know that age plays a role in other uh, organs and tissues. So, you know, like I said, ranging from uh, the, the most extreme treatment intervention to the most basic, all of those will have different impacts upon their recovery. Mm -hmm. We know from scientific studies that the treatments that cause the greatest urinary or sexual or bowel uh, dysfunction will lead to the most protracted of recoveries and uh, the most difficult uh, of recoveries. And uh, th there is a concept of what's known as decision regret. 
Okay. And this is a psychological tool. There are many, many surveys that can be done whereby regret is defined and regret is defined as a number, and then that number is allocated to an individual uh, following uh, you know, questionnaire analysis. And uh, we do know that decision regret is highest in the most severe form of intervention, i.e. radical prostatectomy. Uh, in fact, there was a paper from my own institution, uh, which is a large institution that carries out radical prostatectomies, which showed that after 18 months, 30% of men who had undergone a radical prostatectomy had a, a high degree of regret. Okay. And would, would age impact that? Did it drill down into various characteristics of those men? Yeah. Under multivariate analysis, actually age was, was not uh, a factor, although one would think that intuitively uh, that it might be that older men perhaps would cope with a greater degree of dysfunction than younger men who might mm -hmm. be working, for example, um, have good sexual function you know, prior to the treatment. So age didn't appear to be a factor. But what was more important it seems, is the involvement of the individual in the decision-making. And this is repeated across the scientific literature, that if you involve the man and discuss all the treatment options in detail, then the level of decision regret is less than it would be, because they go into it completely with their eyes open, mm. knowing what they may or may not expect. And that's what we try and do at the focal therapy clinic. Indeed. Uh, yes, we, we do do focal therapy, but we do like to discuss all the treatment options. It's fascinating. Um, and, and I think age plays a role in this, too, in terms of even having the questions initially and, and actually being able to have those conversations with a doctor. Do you see that as having some kind of age-related characteristics? Yes, and I, and I think that is partly a cultural thing mm -hmm. in that perhaps that the older man may not ask as many questions, may have a greater degree of deference to the doctor or the nurse who is informing him about his or her treatment options uh, and may not necessarily question uh, what other treatment options may or may not be available. The other important factor to note regarding age is that uh, traditionally a lot of older patients, or I put that in inverted commas, have been denied certain interventional treatments. Mm -hmm. And that hopefully is changing, not just with the older male or the aging male having knowledge of what is available, but also the fact that older patients now with their comorbidities that they may or may not have being managed better, will be able to cope with interventions, mm -hmm. you know, much more so. So whereas a lot of older men might have just been put on a so-called watchful waiting protocol, a lot of these men are now seeking an active treatment for their prostate cancer. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I think that's a good thing uh, because, uh, you know, the, they should not be denied purely on the basis of chronological age their particular treatment. Do you think there'll come a point where this, this chronological age versus the biological age will actually be, be A, measured and then be applied in these, in these decisions? Yeah, again, there are scientific measures that are being produced whereby you, you can uh, distinguish between the two, between chronological and biological age. But we as doctors uh, can often do that simply by talking to the patient mm -hmm. and, and knowing a little bit more about our patients and their lifestyle and, uh, and what is important to them uh, and so on. So um, I think a lot of it is part of the doctor-patient and nurse-patient relationship and understanding yeah. the involvement of the, of the patient in the decision-making process. 
So in, in that case, it becomes a little bit more subjective because you, you have kind of the tools and the experience and the, the interest to build that relationship. I, I guess what, what's interesting to me is that in, in terms of bringing some objectivity to it, you know, you can see that our understanding of aging is, is advancing all the time. And even at the cellular level, we're hearing people talk about longevity and without getting into that, I'm, I'm interested in how you think that this might impact our approaches to both the treatments offered and then therefore the recovery from prostate cancer treatment. Do you think that this will get better informed so that everybody will have access to a more age appropriate pathway? Yes, I, I think you're right. I think that uh, certainly age will have an important uh, impact on the recovery process mm-hmm. following whichever treatment we do. And we now know that we can manage patients very differently. For example, a patient who might have had an open radical prostatectomy procedure previously will now be having a minimally invasive approach. We know that if we prepare that patient well, that the patient will be discharged from hospital earlier and therefore will have uh, hopefully less uh, immediate post-operative complications. Mm-hmm. Um, and whereas previously, uh, age might have been a complete contraindication to carrying out such interventions, that should no longer be a barrier as long as the physiology of the patient is such whereby we know that they're going to recover and recover relatively uh, quickly. Okay. Your second question relating to recurrence, however, is a much more controversial one, uh, and it's an interesting area of science on whether age and indeed the recovery process will impact upon future recurrence. And, and a lot of these are being studied at uh, the cellular level, and it's an interesting area of science, but uh, at present we're lacking in evidence on whether uh, recovery actually does impact upon future recurrence of cancer. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, if I kind of go back to putting it bluntly at the most basic level, if you look at the biggest risk factor for developing prostate cancer, it's aging. (laughs) Um, And it sounds I'm stating the obvious here, but, you know, I could then ask and I will ask, you know, how do you think we can better mitigate this risk? And do you think so-called longevity science might play a role in that? Yes, I I mean, longevity science is a big area of research uh, at the moment. And there is a concept called cellular senescence, Mm -hmm. um, which actually is a a double-edged sword uh, because we think that cellular senescence, which basically means that our cells, which are constantly proliferating and undergoing what's called a cell cycle, are for some reason arrested and they stop at that point in time. And we think that is beneficial in terms of tumor development, for example, that certain tumors may only get to a certain size and then not grow any further. Mm -hmm. But we also know that the other edge of that sword is that we think that leads to aging because our cells are no longer being renewed Mm -hmm. as they were when we were younger. And therefore, you know, we develop wrinkles, our organs age, et cetera, et cetera, and don't function as well. So it's an interesting area of science on how you can mitigate the advantages of cellular senescence, but actually decrease the disadvantages. There's a lot that's being studied in terms of diet, in terms of various factors that can influence aging at a cellular level to our advantage mm-hmm. without losing the benefits you know, of aging. Because anecdotally, we all know that, for example, uh, in very elderly patients, there may be some tumors that are extremely slow growing. Yeah. And prostate cancer is often one of those, not yeah. in all cases, but is often one of those. So therefore, there are some advantages to that aging process. Mm. So it's a case of how can we harness 
those effects and single out a particular organ, for example, that that particular organ will undergo cellular senescence, but that it won't have a wider impact on the rest of our bodies. How interesting. I mean, it's almost like, you know, good cop, bad cop in this, you know, training it to, to do the right thing, yeah. with the, the right cells and the, the other, yeah, no, the absolutely. bad cells. Yeah. No, I'm not a trained cell biologist, but my basic understanding of it is that there is this constant battle going on within us with cell turnover, cell proliferation, and also cell senescence. So in the meantime, I think people should keep an eye on what this research is leading to. And it's always advisable anyway to have a healthy diet and to exercise and do the things that are going to reduce inflammation and, and basically keep you healthy. Yeah, absolutely right. So I think that uh, the, the concept of diet in aging is really important. And we understand a lot more about it now than we used to. And we understand what supplements are important and which are not. And also, like I said, which supplements may be helpful in reducing cell turnover so that, you know, we do not develop tumors and, and so on. So there's a lot of research that is going on in there. And I think that those are the sort of interventional factors mm -hmm. that um, are constantly being studied. And we know exercise also is extremely mm -hmm. important in leading a generally healthy life, but also in the non-development of uh, psychological, mental uh, and physical problems. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, we could talk forever about this, and it's really interesting because it becomes kind of a multidisciplinary approach, doesn't it? I mean, we're kind of integrating cell biology with gerontology and oncology, and there's um, that gets to be an exciting but often a very controversial and even dangerous area, I think, to comment yeah, on. No. No, yeah, no, no. I mean, I think you're absolutely right. And there are actual journals that are dedicated towards this. So there's, um, you know, obviously uh, gerontology journals, there are psycho-oncology journals, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. So I think it's being wider understood that, you know, dealing with cancer is not just a, a, a uni uh, specialty process. You know, it is, like you say, quite correctly, a multidisciplinary process, and particularly in prostate cancer, because our treatments are so varied, yes. you know, ranging from doing very little to hormonal treatments, for example, the impact of hormonal treatments, particularly in aging men. All of these things are vitally important in the decision-making process. Well, indeed, on that note, I think we'll finish, but only to, uh, to add to be continued as you know, the evidence builds and um, we get a little bit more understanding of how our older patients are coping with these different treatments. So Absolutely. I want to yeah. thank you so much, Raj, because it's always fascinating to talk to you about this. And I think every time we talk, there's, there's new information to inform our conversation. So next time, it'll even be more detailed. So thanks very much again. Thank, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks, Claire. A transcript of this interview and links to Raj's practice are available on the program notes, along with further information on diagnostics and treatment for prostate cancer and additional interviews and stories about living with prostate cancer. Please visit www.thefocaltherapyclinic.co.uk and follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Focal Therapy Clinic. Thanks for listening. And for me, Claire Delmar, see you next time.